0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another Real Debaters production. I'm your host, Michael Petro. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is one of the last episodes of uh, 2020. I'm doing this on December 30th. And uh, this today's episode is with uh, a friend of the show generously educational and lovely human being, Brad Crawford, cinematographer, Steadicam operator, and half co-creator of Stratus Studios. Uh, B.J. Varro did an episode. His his partner did an episode with us. I can't remember the episode number. I should, we don't have that many, but uh, he did one all about stunt work. So we've got cinematography cinematography from Brad today. We've had stunt work from B.J. Varro. Uh, in the future, they're gonna come on the show and talk about their new movie, The Return, that they did. And we'll get the two of them together. We will meld their minds and it will be crazy movie talk. Uh, Anyway, so that's who's on the show, Brad Crawford. Um, RealDebaters.ca for anybody listening for the first time. And you want to carry us into the new year, go to the RealDebaters.ca. That's R-E-E-L, Debaters.ca. The website has the blog, has the merch stand, has cast bios. It's got everything, just one-stop shop. So go there. Uh, At RealDebaters, that's all of our social media. Everything again, R-E-E-L. Uh, thank you to everybody who's listened to us throughout the entire year. Uh, I will be get I'll get better at these thank yous and paying attention to this in the new year. I don't know how much you give a fuck, but I give a fuck cause you're listening. So, um, thank you specifically to our hometown, Winnipeg, uh, Neverville, Manitoba, shout out to you. Little, little tick there from you. Thanks for the tick. Uh, Toronto, Canada, Brooklyn, New York, uh, two places that all of a sudden, You guys are listening to the show, so thank you for that as well, too. And thank you to everybody who always listens to the show. I want to kind of spread the love as much as possible because it's, I don't know, uh, um, this is where I start to ramble. Moving back onto the track. uh, Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. I hope you guys had a safe one. Fuck 2020. uh, 2021's around the corner. That's about as emotional as I'm going to get about that. Let's just start. New and fresh TV is now welcomed on the show. If you've missed a couple episodes, uh, just to subscribe, you never miss anything. Uh, But we are now inviting TV characters into the mix to argue because content is content, big screen, little screen. It doesn't matter. We accept it all. Uh, also, a YouTube channel is being worked on right now. We did our first test. Need a lot of work. So that's going to be coming later in the year. We'll let everybody know about that. Uh, shorter, more condensed versions. If you don't like the long form, what we do here, we're going to offer like a quick, silly uh, 10, 15 minute form of it. You know, like your real debater's light, if you will. Uh, let's see. We have the website. Happy holidays thank you again guys seriously thank you so much uh I'm, i know i'm the only one who talks here all the time but the entire cast appreciates it as much as i do so um i won't imitate them because that's just not a place i, I want to go and put you through uh yeah i a couple more episodes this year and uh we're done so as i've said before and i will say again i will cue the reel, and you enjoy the show <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Real Debaters production. That's the new intro, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to be here. (laughs) Um, I had caught the uh, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Well, the Foo Fighters um, did a show a week ago in the Roxy, a week or two ago at the Roxy in L.A. Nobody was allowed to be there, and obviously for for obvious reasons. But um, the point of my story is, is that, he w- didn't know that they had already started the concert, and he was like, "Oh, just let me know when I can start, you know, introducing the band." And then he's like, "Oh, we're taping. Okay, well, let me just pretend like, <laughs> oh wait, so what this I was is on? Do. Yeah, it's on, right? So it's like, <laughs> and it's pay per view, so it's live. So he turns around and he's like ladies and gentlemen, the Foo Fighters.' <laughs> so he introduces himself. <laughs> <laughs> he introduces himself. Classic. <laughs> so maybe maybe it'll stick for a couple episodes. Maybe it won't. Um, first of all. Thank you for doing this again um, you are a saint for saying to, to, to have the same conversation inside of a month with me <laughs> hey man it's too bad we can't be in person
1: again. I but. know
0: yeah no that was um, what what I'm what I'm alluding to everybody is that um, I we, we did this interview a couple about a month ago yeah a month ago and um, a certain software certain DAW, did not want to cooperate. and duh. It took da <laughs> it uh, it didn't want to cooperate, and it took half of Brad's episode, stored it in the cloud, and then somehow stored half of it on the computer. And when I tried to marry the two, it didn't work. And it ended up deleting Brad's episode, which, I might say is probably my favorite interview so far. This, this is when you cue
1: happen. the like the soundboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally it. As you say, they can fix it in post, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the technology is there. I think you can just get some other actor to like say my lines at this point.
0: I don't want <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to admit that that software exists. It's so scary. Like my uh, Aaron Dole buddy. Guy who's early inception of the show sent me a picture of him um as the Spice Girls. Like he was just rotating through, <laughs> and they morphed his face. Oh, and man. I was like, "That's so awkward to look
1: at." Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Deep fakes are real, and they're they're here. But
2: it's, uh...
0: I don't know if I can live in a world with deep fakes. Deep fakes are scary.
1: Agreed.
2: Can
0: you tell? Can you tell it all? Per- like through your eye, can you see a deep fake?
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: a hundred percent. Yeah. It's there. Really? I mean, the technology's not there yet. It's all uncanny Valley garbage, but, um, but it's only going to get better. Yeah. That's the scary thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it only has one way to go and that's up. That's more accurate. That's more, that's
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: more pixels. Yeah. Like soon it'll just be like star Wars, general Tarkin, you know, crap, <laughs> which which still, I don't like, I'm not a fan of, but like, it's pretty good. Some, yeah. some of it's pretty good.
0: It's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you for doing round two of this. Thank you for getting this on paper because I really liked what we talked about. We had a good time. We had a lot of laughs, and it was when we could do it in person. So, um, Yeah, we'll just and, channel all that energy. Yeah, exactly. I still feel my, my fingertips are still vibrating from it. So, or maybe <laughs> hey. that, I think it's the massage I just came out of. I just got Ooh. fixed and uh, was at Academy Massage. Oh, uh, yeah, which I also
1: frequent myself. You do? Yeah. Okay. My man, Dav, over at Academy Massage. I had
0: Ruhai tonight and she she was like, Have you ever had your pecs massaged? And I was like, No. And she was like, You like you're about to snap and I had a I had an issue in my shoulder that is gone. So I'm yeah. like, I'm a firm just, believer in, in massage therapy. Absolutely. It really is a blessing to have, I mean, to be to be one of the lucky people who has insurance who yes can massage on their insurance yeah. like that's a pretty great
1: thank thing you have. my wife yeah
0: <laughs> that's what <laughs> shot it says about me <laughs> love being that co on the on yeah the yeah yeah insurance. on the blue cross yeah
2: yeah yeah totally <laughs> works.
0: so um the point of uh, for anybody listening uh the first time we had brad on was to talk cinematography to talk about camera work to talk about um why things look the way they look and how they're shot and, and, and his story and uh besides being a fan of this guy because i i've i've known of him for a very long time and his partner at strata studios is an old friend of mine bj varro who we've had on the show before i want we had bj on we want I, I had we had brad on and we wanted to talk about brad's story and then we you know fucking macbooks and the <laughs> cloud and audacity <laughs> not not the audacity of the cloud but audacity of the daw fuck you audacity and no i don't mean that but like you know what i mean so uh, <laughs> i want to get shit for somebody yeah audacity. yeah
1: and you're not sponsored anymore
0: <laughs> yeah right i'm just angry cuz it, it it's probably the macbook it's not audacity i'm taking my feelings out on the wrong person <laughs> so so anyways uh so i uh, let's let's start as james Lipton says let's begin at the beginning How did Brad Crawford get into film?
1: Oh man. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it all started uh, like university era. I mean, you know, I've always been interested in photography, but um, around my university days I was in fine arts at U of M and and that's where like my focus kind of shifted more towards photography and graphic design, that type of stuff, um, which was kind of I mean, at the time, there wasn't like a great film school in Winnipeg. I feel I feel like like the 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 real uh, University of Winnipeg film program hadn't. Uh, I don't think it was available at the time at all. And the film studies at the U of M was very like you know theoretical. It wasn't very practical. So there's there's not a lot of like you know hands-on learning in Winnipeg at the time, from my memory. I mean, I could be wrong, but. Um, But anyway, I I mean, I got really interested in photography and and then I um, graduated with a fine arts degree, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, doesn't mean a whole lot career wise. So uh, (laughs) like many people do. It's a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean, I got the paper uh, and that got me a ticket to Japan. So, I mean, I applied for a job to teach English out there because you needed a degree. They don't specify what kind (laughs) of degree, thankfully. So you got my, that loophole, did you? <laughs> yeah, I got my fine arts degree uh, and uh, flew off to Japan to go teach English. And, you know, while I was out there, um, I met a few people that were filmmakers and I, and I originally had planned to, to check out Vancouver Film School when I got back to Canada. I wanted to like study computer animation or those types of, you know, I've always been like a bit of a computer nerd myself. So uh, I was going to take a deep dive in, in that kind of path but then in researching and kind of self teaching you know exploring computer animation i realized that like as a 22 year old i was already like 10 years behind like there were 12 year olds like on the internet like just doing insane like technical like you know magic to me it was like you know it was just like i was chatting with people Ooh, around the world who were like skilled animators uh, you know, 10 years younger than me. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I feel like I'm already behind and I'm not even, you know, <laughs> not even in my thirties. So, uh, I kind of changed shift gears and, and, I've, and I've met some people out there that are filmmakers and, and I bought a camera, uh, rather than going to film school. That was, that was some of the advice I got. Is like, you know, don't waste your money. Don't, don't spend $50,000 a year on school. Uh, instead, buy a camera now, today, and just go start shooting stuff. And so that's what I did. I bought a DVX-100B, which at the time was like a revolutionary, you know, mini DV, a standard definition camera, but it shot 24 frames a second, <laughs> which like, you know, in today's world, that's like, okay, like literally your cell phone can do that. But at the time, nothing else shot 24 frames a second on video. It was all 60i which looks terrible. So to get, you know, cinematic quote unquote imagery, uh, I got that camera and I just started making movies and I actually shot a one hour film um, with a friend of mine for over like a year. We just spent, you know, we'd set, we'd shoot in his apartment, build a set, tear it down, build it again, tear it down for like, probably did it 25 times and just slowly made a, a feat. No, well, not a feature, but, a one hour long experiment in movie making. Um, (laughs) What was, what's the title? The title is Ageha six, which means like butterfly six in Japanese, but it's a, it's about a terminally ill man who is like estranged from his friends and family. Like his kids hate him. His wife hates him. And he's all alone in this hospital bed and his only companion is a robot nurse and he starts hallucinating thinking that his family and friends have come to visit him to like you know pay their respect to say goodbye but it's just this stupid robot uh
3: <laughs> you know chatting with him and trying to console him in his final
0: moments it's really dark dark comedy <laughs> but it's yeah no, i really i i figured that was a date movie so
1: <laughs> it was uh, so i mean that was my for first foray into filmmaking really i mean on us you know the most serious Otherwise, I was just, you know, shooting, like, club videos in Japan. And, like, uh, I would go and bring my camera out to different events and just shoot stuff just, you know, for an excuse to shoot things. Um, And then I moved back to to Canada. Did you, at the beginning, have,
0: like, um, the the fraud syndrome at all? Oh, I still have the fraud syndrome. I mean,
1: like... (laughs) I mean, that's, a, I think that's something that, that, like, especially as a cinematographer, I think people deal with that like constantly because you are asked to make decisions with such confidence, uh, you, like, in, in an instant, and you're making them every, like, even, I was just shooting yesterday, and, you know, I had to, you know, we, we walked into a set and, we had a prep day last the week before and we had discussed where the camera angles were going to be. And we get there on the day and everything we talked about, the director decided to change every single thing. And not only was it now, uh, instead of one scene, we were shooting two scenes and literally all of it, every single thing we had discussed was completely different and wrong <laughs> according to, cause this is, you know, I can get into it, but, but it's like, you're at your, you're, pose these questions in the heat of the moment and you need to answer those questions with confidence because if you don't people look at you like you know with that are you sure you know in yeah. in their eyes and if and in, so you you have to you have to be bold but I mean there's no way you don't second guess yourself every you know internally all the time so imposter syndrome okay. I think as a cinematographer is, is like I mean at the end of the every day I think I, I second guess what my decisions were you know like going home on the ride home after work it's like fuck did i fuck that up did i did that shot oh, like yeah. should i have i should have lit from the the right side what was i doing why did i write light from the left side like you know
0: i could i could see how i could see how that could be a driving factor into doing a good job i mean it's not the best way to get there but it's definitely i mean if 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 that's if that's what drives you to constantly like improve to, and, and, and improve. build your skill yeah, set you know like there's there's not there's a bunch of there's there's no one if you if you're a results driven person or a, or a um what was it results or um, ah shit work brain's not in the mode right now if, <laughs> if you're driven by results or, or a process or results like do you care about how we do it or do you care that it's what the result is? Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Do you only, yeah. Do you only care about the final product or do you care about like the actual process? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, and I think early on, yeah. Like I, I knew nothing, you know, like I, I didn't know how to light. I didn't know, you know, I wasn't the best maybe at nailing and camera exposure and stuff like those were all mistakes that, that I needed to figure out for myself. Um, And so when I moved back to Canada with, you know, that minimal experience under my belt. Again, it was the, you know, I own a camera. I want to shoot stuff. Let me, let me help, you know, let yeah. me get my hands dirty. Let me, me let in, me, put me in coach. Yeah. Well, let, and let me learn, uh, rather than paying, like going to school and paying to learn, I wanted to get paid to learn, you know, like that was my goal. It was like, just get me on set. You know, I'll do any job. Uh, you don't even have to pay me. You know, when I first started, like, I'll just, I just want to be here on set. And, you know, that was it. It was like, okay, I, I just want, I knew I wanted to do film for a living. i had come to that conclusion before I came back to Canada. And and how, well, you were in your early twenties, you said, right? 22. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was 21 when I left. So I was 24 when I got home, I guess. And yeah, so I started, it was, that would have been 2008. Um,
0: so my kind of follow-up to this is, is that, you are a cinematographer. You are you were a very good cinematographer, and we're going to get into those reasons in a bit. But um, I have learned that the more I talk to you crazy film people – I love you crazy film people. <laughs> but the more I talk to you, the more I learn. And the fun thing that I learn is that you guys – you all go into it just like the first job that gets you in, and then you get really good at that job, but then you all want to be filmmakers. It seems that like the more – I talked to people in other positions, it all kind of stems from, yeah, I wanted to be a director. So I started being an actor or I wanted to Mm -hmm. make movies. So I started to do stunts or I just picked up a camera, but then I got into production and producing and got away from set. Right. Like, so when you bought the camera and you started to shoot stuff, did you ever kind of leer away or were you in, like were you just like this is my jam I like lenses and cameras because of photography and all that other stuff or did you have to jump around in a bunch of different positions early on before you were like yep cameraman yep cinematography
1: yeah i mean there certainly is like there's a lot more opportunities i think if you if you don't care you know what i mean like if you if you are a bit more open to experiences and and getting out there and i think there's a lot of value in especially when you're starting out like trying out each position and and not necessarily worrying too much just but like you're again in the first year or two of your career i think you should get out there and and get dirty and and you know try to get as many opportunities whatever those opportunities may be and if and if the world is pushing you a certain direction you know i don't know that you need to fight it too much unless you are insanely passionate about you know one aspect of that of that uh, skill so for me i mean i always i've always gravitated to the camera so i always wanted to you know regardless of what my role was on camera on the on the team if they hired me as a grip or an electric you know to do those elements on set uh i would always end up asking if i could help with the camera stuff you know i'd always gravitate to the the dp Mm -hmm. or or the cinematographer and, or the, you know, assisted camera people. And I would always have conversations with them. And I would always, you know, try to in, interject myself into that world because that's where I wanted to be. And I knew that, but at the same time, I did still take work, you know, I did grip work uh, occasionally I, and still not so much now, but even like a couple of years ago, a friend of mine who's a, you know, a gaffer, Uh, who I work with all the time, he occasionally he'll call me and be like, Hey, I just need a grip for the day to do this commercial. And it's a big, you know, big DP's coming from out of town. So I can meet this DP and, and interact with him. And maybe if he comes back now, he knows who I am and he'll hire me as his first assistant, like his focus puller, or, you know, like, it's just, if you say no to things, because you're worried that you'll, it'll affect how people see you, then you're closing off opportunities. So I think it's, depending on where you are at your career, like there's, a, it comes to a point where right now in my career, if I take a job as a focus polar, it's probably going to be more detrimental to my career than if, than, than if I don't like I would probably not, not very often will I take jobs as, as a focus polar right at this point in my career, because I want everyone to know that I'm a cinematographer. I'm a camera operator. I'm those things. Uh, and if they see me on set pulling focus, they just, assume, they just assume if they've never met me before, oh, they're like, okay, yeah. well, this guy's a focus puller, right? And now for me, they would go from focus puller to cinematographer in their eyes is very challenging, right? Like you can't just, you can't just flip a switch like that. Um, so you want now at that stage of my career, because I have, you know, a big range of work the first time I meet someone, I want them to think that I'm a film, like a cinematographer. That's it. So, okay, but yeah. that's a process, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, no, totally. I, I, you can't really know. I mean, I'm not to be all philosophical, but like it's good to touch all the things and then kind of, you know, all right, I'm good. I know what I like. I'm not going to fuck around anymore. I'll make that decision and, and, and do the one thing and do the one thing really well and get really good at it.
1: So, yeah. I think I'm also just... like having experience in all the other departments and regardless, I mean, like, lo- locations department, um, ADs, you know, I've worked as a first AD on, you know, fairly, not big sets, but like on, on things that I had that needed to have a good first AD. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of played in all different departments and I think your understanding of those departments and how they run well, like seeing a well-run department and being a part of it uh, can only make you better at your job, whatever that, you know, final position may be, whether it's cinematographer, whether it's, you know, production coordinator, doesn't matter gaffer key grip like understanding every other department and how they that you know the pitfalls that they are dealing with will make you better at your job for sure there's just no way that doesn't
0: how does the relationship between the director and the cinematographer differ from a lot of other departments if at all like it, it i want i want it to what I'm why, why I'm asking is I want there to be a I want you to explain the difference because I feel that, um, and this is my weak eye looking at this. This isn't a trained eye, but it seems that cinematography is now being talked about more than it was before. Perhaps mm-hmm. so it's now being maybe there's a light being some of the spotlights coming to that department because of technology and the evolution of cameras and people have, now there's this big record of what your department does for a movie and how it's shot and how it's lit and 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 you know i just want there to you to explain if there is a difference i guess in that way to shed some light on on what you do specifically
1: yeah i mean i think just because we're constantly being you know visuals and stuff are being shoved in our faces right like with cell phones and youtube and everything you know those types of i think that's why cinematography is maybe more talked about And in regards to like the relationship between the director and the cinematographer, I guess you could look at it like, it's almost like uh, each department head is kind of the top of a pyramid, you know? And, and uh, so like the cinematographer is at the top of the grip and electric pyramid, you know, and there's each, each kind of branch down that pyramid is, is the, you know, the next person down. And so the, I mean, obviously the director's at the pinnacle of the, the biggest pyramid uh, and so you're, you're kind of the next step down that then branches out to a million other people. So the director doesn't necessarily need to, or want to have to talk to the gaffer and the key grip and things like that. They they yeah, do, the, they'll have a relationship yeah. with them, but more so they, they communicate their desires and their visions and, and their thoughts to the director of photography. And then the director of photography kind of distills that into the language of you know what a key grip and gaffer expects to hear, so in that regards, I think the director's and uh, cinematographer relationship is like it's it's so many different things because it's so lengthy, right? Like it it starts from prep, and it uh, you know often when the projects are just being formed, sometimes the cinematographer comes in later. It really depends. Oftentimes they can be you know like a call that's that happens later in the process, but. I think films that end up having a really unique style or a really interesting voice um, have the cinematographer in the conversation early because that, you know, weighs in a lot on a lot of aspects of the film. And uh, yeah, I think like there's so many things that need to be discussed and decided upon like camera choice, lens choice, lighting style, lighting references. These are all things that you would have a conversation about with the director. Um, and you need to kind of, cause like my job as a cinematographer is to meet their needs, you know, to, to get them what they want. Um, whatever it is that they have in their head, I need to try to provide. So whatever, you know, we have to dig through their brain and, and comes to a conclusion yeah. that, that is amicable to both of us, right. That, that fits both of our styles and our tastes really. So it's an odd, it's an odd relationship and, and one that because, you know, each time I'm on a different project, I mean, often I work with BJ and so we have such a good shorthand and we don't have to have lengthy discussions about things often because we've just been working together for so long. But on, when I'm walking onto a, a set for the first time, with a director I've never met, like just this week, I shot for three days at the uh, Manitoba Theatre Centre. And, uh, there's a theater director who in her brain, she's, she's wired for theater and she has, you know, an, you know, in her mind, she sees something and she wants to capture that on video. And it's my job to, you know, to get it to a place that she's happy with visually and lighting and camera moves and, you know, and, and that was a, you know, it's an interesting challenge because you're walking there with no relationship. No prior knowledge of, of what they're after you show up and you have to just kind of, you know, you can't have an ego, you know, you just have to make it work. You got to fit it to their desires while also like not make, like not letting them take missteps because they're going to ask you for stuff. That's going to, that's probably a bad idea. Right.
0: Yeah, you're there to filter, you're there to channel the good and filter the bad, so to speak, and then and then step it down the line. Like I, and that's kind of like it. It's it's always it takes a, a you know a village, it takes a city to make a movie. Sometimes, absolutely, depending on the size of the movie and the scope and where it's being made around the world. So, the whole point of of that was I just I really want every because i learned from shelly and this like i i'm 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 a lazy piece of shit because i'm only i'm just focusing on the primary characters i've never really put any thought into casting extras and background and create like the world is created through Mm -hmm. a lot of that and learning that i was like oh there's a lot of responsibility there and and you know where we're where does responsibility lie and what, what teams are creating what aspects and how is it funneling it down? Because like my love of my obsession, my, you know, my boyfriend, the movies, um, <laughs> I uh, I hold dear. And I like knowing the behind the scenes stuff. So I'm like, I'm like, I, I, that's why I want people to know. So that's cool. I think that's I think that's really neat because it is always an odd marriage. And it's like it's a forced relationship. Mm hmm from the get go in a very intimate process to people creating things and sharing them and hoping that they see eye to eye on something.
1: Like yeah. Like of- oftentimes I'm hired, you know, uh, just because of my like physical location, you know, like they are shooting in Winnipeg and they need someone here and would they have rather flown in their, their best, you know, best friend, cinematographer dude from wherever Vancouver, LA. Yeah, obviously. They've worked with that person, they have a working relationship with them, they would rather have that person, but that's not always an option, budgetary, you know. Yeah. In terms of the budget. So yeah, it's like you you get thrown in these situations where you've got to figure it out. And you gotta figure it out in an amicable, you know, uh, way quickly and make people happy, but also don't like, you know, don't do something that you think is bad if you can if you can at all help help it i mean there's definitely been times when i've been asked to do something and it's like okay you know like (laughs) i don't i don't i don't think it's a good idea yeah but yeah yeah you got to make compromises so
0: that's what that's that's essentially like that's that's an everywhere thing that's for sure that's that's off a film set that's that's yeah film doesn't
1: change that aspect of of work relationships but um it does create a lot of opportunities for those types of things to to come up
0: what um i know i asked this before and we got into some crazy conversations so i'm hoping that will inspire and we'll channel it again as you mentioned earlier um what's what are some what like I'm going to ask this the way I ask it, and I'm not going to ask it the way some professional would, but like (laughs) what gets you hard when you're like lighting and shooting a a scene? Like what, what makes your technical nerdy rocks get off when you're like, what's your fuck yeah moments kind of, right? Like what?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, I guess it's there's a, there's a few different scenarios that can kind of connect make me excited in a on a film set and and certain things are you know when you when you're in that development stage and you're talking about you know the goals of a scene or you have this elaborate shot in mind that you know is give is making you pull out your hair to try to figure out the logistics of it and it it takes you all night to even just set up because you know whether it's a budgetary constraint, you don't have the right people to do that or you know, you, you just have these you, you get pitched these ideas that it's easy enough to say, right? Anyone can say, hey, let's take the camera and, and have it fly this way and go over around here and up there and down here and you know turn the corner and then it, you know, swoops around and you end up on this beautiful shot of this. You know, like it's easy to talk about, but then to actually execute it and execute it in a way that you're happy with. I think those are the fuck yeah moments, right? Like when you, when you're talking to the director about something and, and then like a year later, you get to watch it in a movie and you're like, oh, it actually, it actually worked, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like that, it, like we did it, you know, we, we actually, we actually accomplished that insane thing that I was like, I'm sorry, you want me to do. You want what to have happen? All right. Okay. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, BJ is is very, uh, he doesn't hold back. Like, in in terms of, like, if he's got a shot idea, I mean, I'm often looking at him like, all right, man, like, that one, like, I don't know how we're going to do that. But I'll try to figure it out. Um, Like, those types of of challenges to me, that's the exciting part of my job is, like, give me a scenario that's as challenging as possible. And then if we pull it off and if it actually works, like, I mean, I'll give you an example. So yes. Uh, in one of our movies um, patterns um, <laughs> we start. So initially BJ wanted to be above the tree line and he wanted the camera to swoop down to the front of a house. And then it kind of, it, it finds a family in a living room through the window Uh, at nighttime and then that that same uh, shot now without cutting tracks across that front of the house and you as you follow an actress uh, going to a doorway you know and then you see her through the window of the doorway and then you end up in front of another window in, in front of another room and then the camera goes through that window physically and ends up in the room then you walk through from that room into the dining room that you saw from outside the window And it goes around that table inside the the room in a 360, like full, you're seeing every part of that room. Then you walk back into the previous room that we were just in and end up on an actor as you follow him from the dining room into the other like coat room. And Um, can I just, can you do that one more time? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, that take was pretty good, but we needed to go again because one of the actresses flubbed her line. (laughs) <laughs> no it's like so it's like, okay, on paper that sounds insane, and it's it's even more insane to actually try to do it right so what it ended up so we wanted to use a drone, but we were too close to the airport, and this was prior to being allowed like the licensing things was yeah, kind of yeah, in the gray yeah. area we couldn't get official drone licenses at the time, or at least it wasn't viable um, for us to do so I'm sure there was someone who could have done it, uh, but we didn't have access to that, so we put a Uh, a 25-foot crane, uh, the camera on a 25-foot crane, and then we built dolly track for the crane Mm -hmm. so that we could move the crane physically closer to the house so we could start far away from the house and be up in the trees. And then as we come down out of the trees, we can dolly the crane towards the house and so that that crane can then pan across the windows of the front of the house. And we've green screened the far window so that by the time we get to that window, we can push the crane into the green screen and cut to a camera inside the house that then continues that whole, it's a, now it's, you know, a gimbal steadicam shot where we're now spinning around, following the actors through the house and back around. But I mean, logistically lighting that shot was an absolute nightmare. I mean, I could see every inch of every part of every, you know, there was literally three places I could put lights you know, and, and not see them in the shots. So, you know, those types of challenges. Um, but I think it's a, a very effective, it's one of like, it's on part of it, at least is on my reel, I think. Um, and I think it's a really stunning moment that I've, I've shown to a lot of people and been like, check it, you know, check this out. Like, look what we were able to pull off.
0: Well, it it's, if it's on your reel, then it's going to be on after this, on the website, because I've seen this shot, this shot, if, if if you're willing to let me strong arm you to put it there is like we talked about it the first time and that's kind of what I was alluding to and I was like let's see if I can pull it out of him again as natural as possible see that ladies and gentlemen that's a pro right there pointing out how good he is never mind so um but this shot is it's a it, it, it isn't it I remember it as almost is it one full take like, did you edit it to one full take? Yeah,
1: it's just a oneer. Yeah, it doesn't. The camera doesn't yeah. cut for a probably two minutes. I think that is a long take, flex, my friend. It's a long. <laughs> it's a long one, and there's a f- a few. Of the, BJ likes his oneers. Let's say that. There's <laughs> okay. a few of
0: those, and and this we didn't get to talk about this. I don't think I brought it up, but if I did, slap me for asking you twice. Um, the long take, like, is is it? is it, is it overrated or is it artful if it's done properly or is it just directors and cinematographers showing how big they're, like they're jerking off? They're, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, like is, it, is
0: it camera length at that point?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it just depends on what, what the aim of that process is. And I think the, I don't know, because I also edited a lot of our, of our stuff. Like I edited that short film as well. And, um, and most of, most of the stuff that me and BJ make, I end up editing. Um, so there there has to be an understanding of because I think to me the most challenging thing of a film is is the pace of the film. You know, if if a film lags or if a film's speeding through details and you can't follow it, it fails. Right? Like you you feel it as the audience member. Something feels off. You may not be able to identify what is wrong, but something will feel wrong. And and when you do a one-er, the whole point is that you don't cut away and to not be able to cut away because cutting allows you to create rhythm and create and let a film breathe and, and create a, you know, visual language that can continue out throughout that whole film. And without that ability to cut away, you need to nail it pacing wise uh, that in that shot, you know, you, you don't have any other options. That's the idea at least is that you, so you're you're kind of flexing your your ability as a filmmaker, right? You're saying like I I know that this shot will tell the story in one shot and it'll do it in a you know in a way that will not only allow the story to move forward in a fluid and interesting way, but also I'm so confident in the amount of information that I'm providing the audience and the timing that I'm able to provide it to them that I don't need any other shots. This is the shot, right? Okay. It's so it to me. It's a really confidence. It, it's showing the people that you have a lot of confidence in, in what you are showing the audience, because you can hide so much in an edit. You can like, you know, I'm on, I'm on these sets of these big movies and they're shooting 20, 30 setups of a scene, you know, like, like one scene has like 20 to 30 different shots. All like, and so you, I mean, that's just telling me that they haven't decided what they want that scene to be yet. You know? they they want options to to cut to anything literally anything and everything from up and down and left and right and close up and wide and you know like so so is that
0: and i'm just asking because if you it, the, the law of averages says you know the more you like, the more times you do it you, you should expect results at some point right because it's just faith in numbers so is that a misguided person or is that somebody who wants to have as much of a creative palette in editing as possible like
1: yeah i think it depends like i think um beginner filmmakers often will do too many takes uh maybe and maybe that's where they fail because rather than like at least on the big movies they won't maybe they won't do that many takes but they'll do a lot of setups which i think is better if you're going to do a lot of takes you know move the camera get something different you know like you got to take you know like have no when to to move on and get something else but um also i think yeah if you're filming too much then uh you just like i don't know you kind of lose you you can lose the pace of the movie if you if you break it up too much like the acting can become stilted and whereas if you decide that you're going to do one angle or one, you know, like often like some of the best shots in cinema are just like long, slow move-ins and stuff is just happening, you know, like the blocking of that scene or the, the action of that scene is so strong in one shot. To me, that's really, really good cinema is when you have that confidence. Um, But I mean, obviously, there's, there's amazing sequences too, that are cut up in lots of pieces. So it, it just depends on the story and what you want to say. But I think to be able to pull, there's only certain people who can pull off oners effectively, not to say, not to like say that I'm amazing at it or anything like that. I don't think I am. I think I, I obviously have room for improvement in uh, in that type of style. Um, but I, I enjoy it. And I think if it works, like the, the, the danger is you, like you said, if, like the I guess the cop out is some people shoot, oh, it's gonna be a oneer, but then they like go in and shoot a bunch of other stuff just to have it, and it's like well, now you're defeating the now you now you're just showing that you don't you know you don't believe in yourself so
0: yeah kind of I would say like if you you're you want more in the
1: chamber you want mm-hmm. to... yeah you want op you want that that escape you know you yeah. want that that uh, get out of jail free card so and
0: I mean like some of the most famous like the, the, the one that I always think of, and I know there's so many more that don't really get enough credit because you don't watch for them until... Like, you don't really notice... T- well, to to like a, a green thumb like me, I don't notice them in one until I'm really in one. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I'm like, oh, how long have I been in this? Like, the long... Right, like right. The, cas- the casino long take mm-hmm. throughout all of um can you me knocking like true detective, one, true detective true detective to me is like oh my god yes like... okay two two things have changed since we've talked i we've we've agreed we've de- 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 democratically uh voted we're, we're bringing tv in 2021 so we're expanding the real.
1: Oh, okay, world. okay. So we were not allowed to speak about TV prior to this. Or? We it wasn't
0: that we weren't allowed. It was just like, well, I don't want to. I don't. I want to focus on one thing, and then maybe we can get. Maybe we're good at that one thing before we start. I understand. Yeah, no, so, for sure.
1: It's just that um, the the line is so blurred now. I feel like between yeah. television and cinema.
0: Well, and that's that's kind of the point. So I'm glad you brought that up because that long take of and we're more than I'm sure we're thinking the same one where it's mm-hmm. the gang um, yeah and
1: they dig the helicopter in yeah. the sky yeah. and
0: the... it's one of the most beautiful shots I think I've ever seen in My, and he goes
1: life. up and over the wall for some reason like it like yeah. it's it's so over the top it's a one or two like it's just it does a bunch of stuff that you're just like oh yeah I mean I guess yeah sure why not like we're already here why not throw the <laughs> camera guy on a platform and throw him over a goddamn wall Let's right let's, let's do that oh my it's crazy God. And- and I love yeah, that I there's remember. there's actually like a like a couple fuck ups in that in that one or two like the camera bumps into a wall like you see it, it for sure hits like the camera guy for sure hit a wall and shakes the camera. But like is it is it when they fall on the ground
0: together and he's trying he's trying he's it's obviously where they're they're having like a go they're they're still going but he wasn't supposed to hit something, he was probably supposed to catch the momentum I'm
1: guessing to keep. There's like, one, there's one moment when they're in the small apartment, like, uh, or like small house and, and they're yeah, the, traveling through the rooms and, and you, you see as he's transitioning from one room to another, like he clearly hits door frame or some, or someone bumps into the camera because, because there's clearly a bump, but like, again, this is just me as a camera guy being like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to fucking happen. Like these, this is probably like a 12 minute, like how long is that goddamn take? It's insane. <laughs> it's, like it's,
0: I think it's eight minutes. Yeah. I think no,
1: you, yeah. I think you're right.
0: It's like it's stupid long. That one and and Birdman, those
1: are the oh two for sure. That Birdman, yeah, is just unreal. And that movie's on another level. It he yeah, and I just there's so much. See
0: the thing about some long takes is is that sometimes you're just filming. Like I, the Casino one looks like some of the original start of it was like they were giving themselves room. In the long take to start filming in on the crowd and backing out, like as long as there was action happening, Mm -hmm. whereas I feel with Birdman, they weren't acting until maybe three to five seconds before the camera changed room. Like it really felt like it was a domino effect. Sure. Played perfectly where watching the casino one just kind of looks like you're watching action close-up of conversation pull out move back watching action yeah like i think
1: the casino ones maybe like a little bit uh it's the er, it's an earlier you can tell it's an earlier kind of version of that right like like it yeah that that shot led to birdman right like birdman is a culmination of what we've kind of the the language that is established in those earlier films i think right like because it it wasn't technologically i mean maybe someone could have pulled it off i don't know probably not like and then even like 1917 as another great option i mean just like a a war movie that literally never goes backwards to me is just such a great like you could i think that's like a a really interesting tagline visually like it always moves forward in time and in motion you know, like you never go back i i've i watched it Once and
0: I was really disappointed that I didn't see it in the theaters. So I really, like, I gave I I gave it attention, but I really didn't give it my all. And I know that that's like a ridiculous thing to say because it is like everybody, everybody I know, like the cats are even telling me how good of a fucking movie it is. So like. I really need to sit down, turn the lights off and like get locked into it. I think I may have just been war movie out at the time.
1: No, for sure. No, I can it. understand. Like, I mean, I, I was fortunate to see it in theaters, like as it, you know, as it came out and, uh, and yeah, I think there's just something about being stuck there with a camera that doesn't, you know, allow you to, there's no, like when, you know, when, whenever time, anytime a camera cuts, you have to resituate re- yourself as the viewer, right? Like, okay, where are we? Who are we with? What are we doing? You know, like you're, you're answering those questions to yourself. That movie never asks those questions ever. No, it doesn't. Like you're always, you're always with those people following their path. Like you, you, you like half of that information is already answered to you at all times. And so there's a, it's just a different journey, um, which I enjoyed. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's like, the best movie of all time or anything like that i mean just you know but um what it does it does very well
0: what kind of like what's the shittiest rig you've ever used to light with
1: <laughs> oh fuck uh, man I'm trying to how
0: f- bad how bad is it not how bad has it been but like how fucked have you been where you're like, man, like <laughs> shit just didn't work out and we gotta make something. Else. Yeah. I mean That's I've been like, like like
1: crammed in tiny, like tiny little rooms, way like up flights of stairs where you 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 have no A, no more room to put light, like to get lights in the physical space. And then you know, you're, you just have nowhere, like you're shooting two cameras and you've got a mirror in the room. And so you're seeing like everything. So you you basically have one spot to put the light and you, and I'm, I'm you know, it's got barn doors and I'm I'm, you know, I've put the light up as high as I can to get it out of the shot. And then I'm just, I'm just mess. I'm just basically ramming this light as much as I can to get it to fit in this space and have it do some semblance of, the the style of lighting that I wanted to do right so it's those those you know those things where you just don't have the right tools or the the physical space i mean like that it was just i didn't get to scout that location and we were just we had to shoot the scene and uh i had essentially one maybe two lights with me and, and and does it work yeah it works is it in my reel no it's not in my reel um you know, what could I have done it better? Yes. Uh, If I had had more time, you know, and different resources available to me, sure. You know, but it's those, it's those types of situations that I think um, allow you to, you know, it gives you a good opportunity to stop and think about it. Like right now, like, okay, I'm thinking, you know, I'm running through it in my head. Like, well, what would I do differently today? Like if I had any options to me, you know, how would I have changed that scene? So it's, it's always like, you can always learn and you can always do something different and, and often better, um, in terms of other shitty lights. I mean, like, (laughs) I I don't know, like, you know, work lights are often the, the first thing you get to play with because they're cheap and they turn on, um, you know, like we've built, I've built, uh, you know, different uh, panels myself with strips of LEDs and things like that. And I've had them uh, where I've I've taped them to a ceiling and then they get hot and the tape starts melting and they start falling off like, it, you know, halfway through a take and you're like, oh, God damn it. And you got to figure out some other way to <laughs> mount it up there, you know, just bullshit like that. But um, <laughs> I mean, otherwise, no an light, an no light's an a an shitty light. That's... If it turns on, it, it's good. <laughs> you
2: can make it work.
0: I love, I love how like how how like you're just dwindling it down to nah. Does any anyway, little work? No big deal.
2: Yeah, you know? I mean,
1: if it if it creates illumination, there's <laughs> ways to make it beautiful, right? Some I l- ways, I uh, like
0: that. That's a positive. That's a positive spin on a dollar store flashlight. I mean, sure. Like, yeah. I mean, I okay,
1: mean- yeah. Like, you want to talk flashlights? We <laughs> we <laughs> we can, we had to do. We uh, what did we do? We created. Yeah, we created um, these little LED lights for a cell phone light gag, but they were square with holes in the middle of them. They, just the way that the LED chip was designed, and we realized that anytime you pointed it at the lens, you could see the internal reflection of that square. So it looked nothing like a cell phone light would look. And it, but the cell phone, the normal cell phone light just wasn't bright enough. So we had to like quickly build an, a new light source, you know, out of LED. Like luckily, we just had some led kind of chips around that we could rig up, but um you know that was one of those times where it's just like okay, this is not we we built this uh, thing and it's just not working. We threw diffusion on it, still didn't like do the thing we wanted it to do, so you just have to make it work but uh there's always there's always a way
0: there's a there's always a way I love that that's that there's that's the tagline there yeah. it is that's yeah. your that's your that's your first poll quote. <laughs> <laughs> um this uh i I, i've heard this thing and it's a new thing to me but i've known it for a while um what's magic hour and is it really Mm. is it really as big a deal as it can be in certain places i would imagine or is it the same no matter where
1: you go so yeah i mean in uh we talk a lot about quality of light in in film um and that's you know often when you're out scouting you have you know apps on your phone to to check the you know sun path sun tracker because you need to know at at what time uh and where in the sky the sun's going to be because that's going to dictate you know which direction you want to film because 90 percent of the time you probably want to backlight your talent with the sun like you don't if you if you're facing uh if you're you know facing your talent and the sun is behind you as the camera guy that's probably not going to look as good as if you did the other way around because that's going to flatten out the image and it's not going to give you pride you shape. Um, so golden hour or magic hour, as it's often called is that that hour or so of time when the sun is just on the horizon or right around the horizon. So the sky glows in a, just, you know, the sun, the lower, the sun is in the sky, often the more pretty things look because you, A, you can see it in your shot, you know, um, and it's, and it's raking across the ground, creating these nice, long, beautiful shadows and, and the, the quality of light, the color of that sun at that hour is, is often of a gold, like more warm, uh, because normally the sun is very cold, very cool uh, in color. But at that time it's, it's much more warm. And so it gives it this beautiful, you know, glowy, magical feel. And so we call it magic hour, um, and then right after that is something that i guess i mean some people refer to it as blue hour um and that's after the sun has mm. then since set and the sky is still getting that reflected light from the sun just under the horizon and so the sky turns a very very bright blue especially on cameras nowadays because they're more sensitive you can actually pick that up a lot more and and often if you look at actors' faces and things in that hour, it it just everything is like really interesting. There's no source of light, you know, like there's no direct source, but everything's just got this lovely blue, you know, softness to it. Um, So that's right after sunset and that's blue hour. But um, I think there's, there's many, like often, which you don't want to shoot as at like 12 noon, you get that right over the head sun, unless you're shooting like a yeah, desert scene where yeah, you yeah. want to feel that harshness and, and you get what we call raccoon eyes and you get, you know, the deep pockets under the eyes. And it's, it's very hard to make people look good. You know, they get the shadow, the chin shadow, and it's, it's a very not pretty time of day to shoot. And that's usually what we will try to avoid as much as possible as, as cinematographers.
0: Okay. All right, And I mean, like all these conflicting things on this at a circus on a set, like I can only imagine where it's like, well, we can't shoot till 12. Yeah. Well, what are we going to do till then? Like that Like oh, often?
1: Like, yeah. And, on, you know, uh, on commercials, you, you, you're only shooting it for a day, you know, maybe two days. So you don't really have an option to just not shoot from like, you know, <laughs> 10 to three. <laughs> like it's not a, that's not a thing. No. So yeah, you, you just gotta, you gotta take there's tools that we have in our arsenal, you know, diffusion, uh, big frames, whether it's negative fill, which would be like a solid, like a black frame or, or diffusion, you know, you can put a 20 by 20 up, uh, to try to block the sun from, you know, hitting your talent in an ugly and harsh way. Um, I, I uh, and we don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's anti everything movies. <laughs> Let's, we want to make what the world really looks like on screen so you know let's let's try to light them in accordance with reality
1: well we try to make it as pretty like it's actually it's more fake than it is real but it's like try to make it as pretty as possible as often as possible (laughs) if that makes sense
0: no that makes that makes that makes perfect sense um when you when you watch a movie being a camera operator you look through a lens you look through a modified version of it um how do you do you lose that watching whatever you watch this week with the wife and the kids does that like can you take off the lens can you take off the focus and be carried away into a world of entertainment i can
1: um but (laughs) yeah but it's not it's certainly not as easy um any any what's that
0: has it gotten harder
1: it has it has gotten harder any any flaws any any anything that i that you know would take that would be considered to take someone else out of a film is like probably just glaringly jarring to me um, <laughs> uh, i don 't know it's just like i love I love movies and I love watching movies and so i, I try to i find that i don 't know I watch movies in a different way now uh, like to to me I just watched mandy um Oh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, like, I don't know if regular moviegoers would enjoy that film as much as I did. Just because <laughs> it, it's... What's okay. All right. Hang on. Preface
0: what it's about. Just like... Oh, I don't know.
1: It doesn't matter what it's about. It could, be, <laughs> it, it could be about anything. It's like, it's just so visually stimulating. Like, it's just, it's got taggers and churches with beams that are all red and like noise and like flares and like, i don't even care what they're talking about or the story it's just like the the visuals are so in your face and it's just like i mean he's got he, he, he builds an axe like and it's glinting and there's just like just the the richness of the visuals are so compelling that like the story to me was like yeah that was okay <laughs> but but by God, what a beautiful movie. Like <laughs> throw away the story, just I mean I, and, me and I yeah, shit. like usually that's not the case, obviously. But No. Yeah. And the story was fine. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. it's still it's still an interesting story. Um I just don't know that the story if like if you pitch that story without that style, I, I think it's you know, not that exciting. We've we've seen movies in a similar fashion, I think. Um, and it's not telling anything like so overly unique that it stands alone, but man, that style.
2: Unreal. (laughs) Unreal. I really like that movie. I, I,
0: I think that's cool. I mean, like I, um, I don't, I've never cared what I I think I've tried not to care. I'm sure at one point I thought I was an elitist. Fuck. Sure. (laughs) People would probably say that about me now too. Um, yeah, I I try not to, what was that
1: we no we all we all would like feel that way about ourselves, I think because we oh, are yeah. so opinion but yes, you're an elitist fuck, sorry,
0: thank you, thank you. I was pandering earlier, you're pandering now uh, <laughs> so um, but I fucking lost my thought that's okay all right. um if uh, I had a question though that I do remember um if you could see the world through sixteen by nine or three by four like what in you you look at the the movie you're making to make it so it looks great on screen so there's different sizes of view and different focal focus points and whatnot so if you could see life through a lens what style of lens would you want to see life through
3: Mm, man
1: that's
0: tough (laughs) that's what i didn't ask you before i just came up with that on the there's so
1: many options (laughs) you know like what because like you know i mean even as like a father now, it's like, that's my, that's a different perspective, right? Like I'm sure if I was just like a, a single, you know, in my twenties still, I would have a very different answer to this, but, and, and also just like the experience of having witnessed so many different styles of, of films and lenses and things. I mean, lenses change everything. Um, so it's, that's a, that's a really hard question, but I mean, cause there's like, you know, there's, there's kind of two thought processes. There's the master primes, the RE master primes, which are like <laughs> the sharpest, cleanest, you know, no brief focus breathing. Like it's, it's, you know, the best possible rendering of that image. And then there's like old Russian lenses from the seventies that are like warped and dirty you know they're like as a lens tech will tell you they're made with vodka and, and cigarettes
2: <laughs> you know
1: like they, so and that's gonna like that's what that's the Mandy look I mean it's just these old you know shitty like optically terrible like you know arguably like images but they but they have an organic like totally different feel to them so I don't know. Do you want to see the world in its most pristine and beautiful, or do you want to see it in its surreal, you know, uh, gauzy Uh and blurredness? You know, do you you want to take the edge off?
0: (laughs) You sold me on vodka and cigarettes. I mean, I was like, okay. I want to see it through Russian vodka and cigarettes. Yes, Uh, comrade. yeah. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, it would. It's.
1: So but I don't know, you, to answer your question. I don't know which one which one I go. I think I think it changes from day to day. <laughs> like you know, can sure, I can on yeah. weekends? Can I swap it?
0: You know? Yeah, like, totally. You can change like, it out. I, I just it. yeah like
1: yeah. Then I, then I, let's go let's go Lomo, Anamorphics and Ari uh, Master Primes. There you go. Those all right.
0: Two choices. Um, can can a movie is the story still strong enough if the cinematography suffers? Do you think story can, can carry
1: for it? Yeah. Or I mean, as a cinematographer, can... it's probably a bad thing to say that, but yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, like, <laughs> you know, like unfortunately my job isn't as relevant as I want it to be, you know, like, like sound is, is more important. Like it's, it's like blasphemy for me to say that, but you know, cause that's my entire job is to make it as pretty and as interesting looking is possible but a movie absolutely can can survive i mean documentary more so than film but i mean, film is so open to interpretation nowadays like i've seen lots of movies that the visuals you know i'd be like well i would never i would never shoot something like that you know it's grainy and shitty and you can can barely make out what it is you're trying to they're trying to show you but but it works you know like so yeah it's, no yeah so it's so yeah i mean as much as i i want to say that no my i it must be the if it's not visually amazing then it's the worst movie ever (laughs) that's clearly not the case
0: no i i just yeah i i you because sometimes lighting sometimes sometimes props can leave a fucking coffee cup in a scene right <laughs> like, what you know I, I and i mean that because there is so many moving parts it's not so much about the ego of the question where it's like can your movie survive without that you know <laughs> like i realize that now after asking that that's kind of maybe <laughs> what it came off as but uh no i just i mean like you can it each department like can you if it's a good story can bad acting can mm. the story carry bad acting can the cinematography carry bad lighting like you know like, can, is there because, to a degree? I think,
1: yeah, yeah, all of those things are forgivable with the right story. If the story is compelling enough, if it, like, I think all of a lot of that stuff disappears, right? Like, yeah, uh, I think, like, there's, there's movies that have, you know, on made on zero dollars that, you know, like, you look at uh, Blair Witch, you know, for example, like that movie, totally. no one's going to tell you that that movie's like the best looking or best sounding movie in the world, but it, it caught the right attention of people at the time, you know, and it, and it created its own like it was different stylistically and and it was you, you know being unique often is enough to carry a film i think uh totally
0: i couldn't agree more and i'm i'm learning that i'm i'm my i've got thumbs down at nothing but the blockbuster that's not like the blockbuster is sexy yes. and fun and energetic and an adventure but it's the storytelling. I mean, well, it's
1: a small piece of, of the actual cinema market, right? Like it's what gets shoved in our faces all the time, but yeah, it doesn't really represent that large of a portion of what's being made if you're willing to go out and look for stuff, you know? I think as the, the first time you end up at a film festival and you sit down and you have no idea what you're about to experience, and then you see a movie that sure. stays with you, uh, you know, that you remember scenes from for the rest of your life, and you were like, "Well, I would never have gone to watch this if it hadn't, you know, just been dropped in my lap." Um, but I mean, that's to me, that's the beauty of cinema is like you get to experience, these, take get taken on these wild rides that you were like, "Well, okay, I didn't, I didn't, expect, <laughs> I did see that coming," you know?
0: Yeah, no, I've the I I I, I agree with you because the, the little pocket of films that I've that have done that for me. I remember them from those like you're like that festival or or even that person who shows you a movie like i was every everything's
1: illuminated mm-hmm. have you did you see that uh i've heard of it i don't know that i've actually seen everything is illuminated.
0: it's a it's a it's a true story based on um guy who goes back to the ukraine to visit his uh, he's he's jewish so he's going back through the war to see where his family came from okay and um it was something way outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah. And I was shown it, and I was mind blown that stories like this were being talked about. And so, if the story's good enough, it can carry a lot of things. Because it's, it's it, I mean, it's uh, Liv Shriver actually directed it. Oh, crazy. Um, yeah. It's got Eugene Hoots from Gogo Go Bordello in it. It's got, uh, um, oh, Jesus. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood, thank you for being my Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching the trailer good catch. right now. Good, good catch. Um, it's a great story. It's a true story. It's a heartbreaking story, and it has all those things that, like, you weren't expecting, right? Right, so right, right. it stays with you, and it, it, you, you, you emote to it. And so, yeah, that's why the, the No More
1: like, let's, let's see a blockbuster. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch 1984. No, I mean, 1984. Like, I mean I'm excited to really watch happen. Dune. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm a, you know, like I'm a fan of, of the books and, and the, it's, I love the fact that it has this weird, you know, like we almost like Lord of the Rings esque, like it's, yeah. it's not able to be made as a movie, you know, kind of thing. And then someone else is trying <laughs> and, and someone who I'm <laughs> interested to see his take on, you know, like, I mean, I've watched um, the David Lynch version and I've watched the TV you know, mini series. And so it's oh, like, okay, so you are a fan. Yeah. So, well, so I have the, you know, I've got the history of it in my head in terms of like visually and like cinematically how it's been done. So I'm really just like, to me, that's a really, you know, I'd still consider it a blockbuster. I absolutely. Oh, totally. Yeah. So
0: after it's, his, mm-hmm. after his success with Blade Runner 2049, I really, I mean, he's done a lot of stuff before that, but I feel that that was, that was a big push for Villeneuve to kind of, Oh, he's mainstream. Cement yeah yeah very mainstream exactly yeah um prisoners i love Mm -hmm. i absolutely love i think it's an enemy i think is a really interesting film i have been meaning to get to it i can i keep it's one of those where you're like if it's like m night Shyamalan did uh oh the the getaway the the weekend getaway movie where like the kids go visit their grandparents and the grandparents are going nuts okay it's just like when a director does like one of those like I'm just sneaking a film in. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like I, mm-hmm. You know, I've been working on it secret. You know, I love those. Those are fun. Totally. Because you're like, wow. Obviously, you didn't feel the need to hype this, and you're really passionate about it, which is great. And one for the one for one for commerce, one for art, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. One hundred percent. You know, so um, or you're just true. Which is true, which is true
1: and, of even myself. You know, like I we get. I take a lot of jobs that are just for the paycheck because. I live in Winnipeg. There's not a, like we don't have a yeah. ton of options, you know. Well you gotta you gotta eat, man. Everybody's got a mortgage. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, you know, when you when you do get the chance to work on the passion project of yours, then you know, that's you met make it make it worth your time, you know.
0: And that's and that's film festivals mm-hmm. to tie that back in, right? That's right. a lot of passion projects on the screen at the same time. That's a lot of hungry new or great or unknown but talented filmmakers hanging out showcasing stuff hoping somebody big comes and signs a deal totally and, and gives you your your dream budget to do it which i kind of want to tie back into stuff here not that this wasn't relevant but i, I just wanted to get some ideas because i know we talked about a lot of the catalog a lot of the real before and i would i'm going to save that this is my thought from before i want to tell you i'm going to save that for when it's me you and bj Yeah, yeah, yeah. because then we can play off know what director what cinematographer kind of thing but um, you we talked about some stuff on set before and a, and a and a nickname of yours stuck with me and I, I don't want to butcher the story but it is I, I did want to get into it was it was interesting to me and I think it's interesting to a lot of people is what it's like for nudity in romance and the sex scenes for the camera operator and your illustrious nickname that you somehow managed to get. For yourself. Oh man.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. How's I mean, I've, this one go. <laughs> I've shot a few uh, love scenes. The first one was actually probably the most, uh, I guess, serious. Um, it was, it was our, we did like an NSI drama prize film, which was just a short film. I don't think I talked about it last time. It's called Chopin's heart. And it's, um, it's, it's weird for, for myself and BJ because we're not dramatic filmmakers. And it's not the way we lean, but we paired up with a script writer and we got a grant to make this short film. And so mm-hmm. why, why not, you know, like here's a chance to yeah. to shoot something with some money. So let's do it. And that had a love scene in it. And that was like, you know, almost fully nude, uh, two actors, a uh, small room, you know, close set, obviously. So that means no other, it's just the director and myself and the focus puller usually. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, you, you just kind of create an atmosphere that's as relaxed and as, and you know, non-judgmental as possible. And you allow people to just be as comfortable as possible. And, and you don't, you just want to have fun with it, right? Because, like, the, I think the energy of the scene is, I mean, depending on the movie, that one was much more serious. And then, uh, conversely, The Return, um, our horror movie, it's a much more playful scene in that one. That one, they're like, you know, messing around, and then uh, this this shadow creeps upon the wall behind her, and <laughs> and she freaks out, and and you know, she's she uh, is consoled by him in bed, kind of thing, because she thought she th- saw a ghost, and he's laughing at her. So there's like in in that scene specifically in the return, there was there's some comedy and 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 humor elements built into the scene, so it's it's more lighthearted, and they you know, for them to be like in a love scene. You know, it already lent itself to to being more of a a joke. Whereas the other one is a dr- like a hard drama. There's no there's no jokes built into the dialogue. It's very serious. <laughs> it's about a a teacher, uh, like having an affair with his with his student. You know, and she's like a a cellist. He's a music teacher, and so it's like you know, it's a very serious moment. And um, and so in that sense, it was just like trying to make sure that. I'm not awkward on set. You know, I don't want my energy to, to affect yeah. anyone else's energy, you know, like, so like there's, there's just certainly some of that aspect to it. It's like, how do I just break the ice, so to speak in this scenario? You know, you so see, you just, I mean, you have a relationship build well- up with people as you're working with them and stuff. So it should you know, it's not like that different, but as long as you're not like a weirdo about it, it's usually fine. But um, uh, in the, in the return uh you know, as one does, you look for unique angles to film the scene uh, <laughs> and to make it you know visually interesting and so one of the one of the best places quote unquote for me to be was uh under and behind the the bed, like behind the headboard kind of thing so um uh, <laughs> i'm I'm literally like sprawled out with this camera on my shoulder. Behind the headboard, as they're like rocking the bed and like you know doing a love scene, uh, <laughs> and, and you know they stop. I don't to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they stop and like you know we're joking around and they like the one. Of, I think the the male actor who's like uh, laying in bed, and the female actor on like kind of on top of him, above above me, above the camera, and it's all about her. He didn't actually realize where I was. <laughs> um, because I, you know, we had just kind of set the scene and they walked in and they, you know, they were doing, cause there's two cameras. So there's another camera uh, filming it as well. Uh, and <laughs> I think, I think I mentioned, I think I said something and he kind of looked back and like found me behind the bed. He's like, Whoa, <laughs> there's, there's basement Brad. <laughs> and I, yeah, I was like the, the creeper in the basement. Just like, uh, we also had a bunch of scenes in a basement in that movie, which <laughs> I think landed, you know, to me being a weirdo hiding in the basement, like filming with my voyeur camera. But uh, yeah, so basement Brad is my nickname from from that scene. Didn't
0: didn't you start this whole story with trying to make the moment as comfortable as possible? <laughs> it's like the one thing the girl like knew I was there. That's who okay. I was mostly concerned with. Okay, All she
1: right, could fair. see and, she uh, could uh, see yeah. me. She obviously knew the camera was there. But I think yeah. I think I maybe he had been there. I don't remember exactly how it happened that he forgot that I was there, but I'm just like, Oh, you know, obviously I'm very, I'm very quiet in my camera operating abilities. And he, uh, I went unnoticed, but, uh, but Richard, Richard's, uh, you know, he's, he's a great guy and we, we get along really well. So it was always, it was all just in good fun, but, um,
3: but yeah, it was, it was a funny moment for sure.
0: I, yeah. Cause I mean, I can, as we all can imagine, Right. Like those were watching it, which means someone had to have a camera because clearly the people who are in it are acting. They're not holding it. This isn't (laughs) Pornhub. So, like, you know, it's 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 a it's something I think everybody kind of thinks about at some point or another where you're like, yeah, well, someone had to watch. Like you, you be you. You are forced into an intimate situation. Well, not forced, like you're all choosing to be there, but you're forced into having the most intimate situation between two people shared. And I mean, it's yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a different energy for sure. I mean, there's no way around it. I I mean, it's like you, you walk, you know, people are, and usually there's different, uh, I guess you could say technology involved in like keeping people modest, whether it's like, uh, a weird skinny little thing that covers your nether regions or, uh, pasties for women, you know, often that's, yeah, that's a thing. So, um you know it's whatever makes people comfortable um and this wasn't like a hardcore nude scene or anything like she's got a blanket wrapped around her chest so it's like it's not like the most awkward thing in the world but
0: yeah the, and that's the care and consideration that takes place because you, the, it, if it's not then it's the wrong you're making it the wrong
1: well scene. yeah i mean exactly if they're not comfortable then then i'm not comfortable either you know so it's it's a, it's a mutual thing and, and it was totally. fine. But yeah. I think we all, the, 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 the one downside really for, for me probably more than them was that the stupid house was like 40 degrees Celsius and, Fuck. and and like so humid because we had wrapped the entire house in black fabric and then it rained <laughs> oh, and, and it evaporated all the water off of the black fabric into the house. This is like mid July. Uh, so it's like 30 something degrees outside. And so in this stupid house that has no air conditioning, we're just, I have this hot, you know, boiling hot cameras like crammed next to my head. Uh, you know, so being fully closed with that was actually like a downside. <laughs> <laughs> you'd create, you'd created a sauna. You'd, you'd oh, 100%. a hundred percent. It was, I, yes, I absolutely lost a ton of weight because
0: of that. <laughs> um, you just, you just gotta give me one second. I just gotta stand up because, uh, I've set a daily alarm to to be to get into a habit on something and that uh that alarm is going off right now and it's the Avengers theme song so I, I
1: you know, Yes, well. copyright.
0: Exactly. Just give me a second. <laughs>
2: I'm
0: totally covered in wire.
1: No. Oh,
0: yeah, it's still going.
3: Don't worry, folks. We'll be back shortly after this brief message from your sponsors. All right. This episode is brought I'm to you brought. by ass, Jello.
0: You know what movie that's I from.
3: was just
1: doing a, a brief message from our sponsors. So we're good.
0: We're back. <laughs> Don't tell me. Let me wait. I'll, I'll find it in the edit. <laughs> so uh, we talked about this before and I, I, it, I wanted to to bring it up again. The uh and I think I'd related it to Euro Dreams of Sushi and the hierarchy of well, the steps that one takes to get to the point where they're a cinematographer, like where you start and where you end. So for people out there who are like, Hey, how where do you what what, what position do you start in? What's this what's the trajectory of this? How does mm-hmm. how does one go through the motions?
1: Yeah, so there's two kind of uh paths or ways of thinking about it in the industry, I think. Um specifically in Winnipeg I mean there's I'm sure there's many different routes you can take um but oftentimes uh I guess I'll talk about the route that I took is is more so just like the get out and do stuff route which is you know tell people that you're interested in in filming and um and just go and film as much as you can you know whether you know at the beginning you probably won't get necessarily paid that well to do so um uh, but that's, that's the idea, right? Is you just get out there and film. And, and then I think when people start to see you around more and they t- start to take you a little bit more seriously, then you get asked to do different jobs. And, um, so the, the way that the camera department is kind of broken up is, uh, you know, there's usually the camera trainee is, is the way you would start on a, on a big set. And then there's the second camera assistant, uh, the first camera assistant, the camera operator, and then the director of photography or a cinematographer. Um, Sorry, wow, so one more time. What's that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, one more time, but I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, I started as a trainee myself uh, on a union show. Um, and it was it was called Mother's Day. It was shot on 35mm film. It's by the same director as Saw 2 II and 3. Oh. Um, uh, I, I didn't do a ton of days on it, but I was kind of filling in and and uh, helped out in, in, as a camera trainee. Um, and it was it was a great experience. I mean, I learned a lot of stuff. I got to kind of get a window into the union world um and that that world is very different than the non-union world so it's it just depends on which path you kind of gravitate towards but i think everyone should try to work uh on set on the big sets on the union stuff and and to do so uh you need to go through i think film training manitoba is the best way to go they have like a like a training program that you have to take a couple classes you know like basically whimmy stuff and like set etiquette that just makes sure that you you're aware of like you know what not to do on a film set basically (laughs) you know don't don't go up to Samuel Jackson and be like, Hey Sam, yo, what's going on, man? You know, like that's maybe don't do that.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, no, don't, don't, yeah. don't. I mean yeah. you want to. It's okay I mean, to want to. But yeah. Don't you can do Think it. about
1: doing it. But maybe yeah. maybe just don't do it. Unless unless <laughs> like he comes up to you. I mean, like I was in line at lunch on set and uh on a movie that I uh, called Teen Lust that was shot here. It's it stars <laughs> Carrie Elwis of all people. Oh a.k.a. Oh, saw one sorry saw one saw one or, yes saw one or, really or, or more yeah, the princess bride, princess bride. Yeah. um and he, he came up to me in the lunch line he's like hey i'm carrie yep. and so you know like if that happens by all means i mean i got ended up getting a signed copy of the princess bride he signed it as you wish which is like <laughs> it was like a dream come true It was like this is amazing right this that he was such a great guy so like you know those, I mean, that's another perk, I guess, of going the union route is that you'll interact with people like that. Like I've, you know, I've met quite a number of stars, I guess you could say, And an opportunity to work with people. But um, yeah, so to, to kind of get back to the path of the, the camera department, so you'd start as a trainee and then eventually you would get into the union. So you're not, you know, you, you do your days and you can get in as a second assistant. Um, and a trainee just helps, obviously, everything else, you know, they can slate, they can, you know, grab lenses, clean lenses, you know, help load the trucks, unload the trucks and organize everything They'll you'll kind of get the ropes of how things are, are operating. And I, again, I'm, I'm not necessarily the best person to be telling you this, because I didn't go through this, this path uh, very much. But um, then you go into being a second camera assistant, and that's much more, uh, you know, logistics, you're, you're in charge of, all of the camera reports, all of the time sheets, you know, for the whole department and you, you kind of run the department in a lot of ways uh, from the background there's a lot of paperwork involved and long hours. Like you're usually the last person to leave the department and camera ends up, you know, being there till the bitter end uh, just because they're, you know, got to pack everything up. Um, <laughs> So it's, 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 not, it's a thankless job, for sure. It's a, it's, a, it's a very challenging job that's very organizational in, in nature uh, and very challenging, I think. Um, I wasn't cut out for, for being a second camera assistant, I'm not gonna lie, I, I kind of avoided that, that route. Um, uh, but from that point, you then work your way up to becoming a first camera assistant, which is probably one of the most stressful jobs on set. Uh, so, in other words, for them is focus puller. So, what you're doing is you're making sure that the camera, the image that everyone is looking at, <laughs> and that and with a you know like literally 40, 50 people are staring at multiple monitors, uh, and making sure that the people that are in focus uh, are you know that are supposed to be in focus stay in focus, and that that means knowing distances, you know, measuring things, setting marks. Um, You know, you're also in in charge of the camera as well. I mean, this isn't, you're not just pulling focus, you have many other duties, like, you know, rigging the actual camera itself, building the camera, designing how all the pieces are going to fit together in a nice, clean, and uh, useful manner. And ordering the equipment, usually the first assistant is the one who who actually gets in, in uh, contact with the rental house, goes and preps the, the camera package, makes sure all of the parts are working, does the tests, make sure the lenses focus the right way, you know that they're actually uh, collimated, set up to to focus correctly. All of these like little intricate you know technical details are handled by the first camera assistant. Um, and even in non-union stuff, uh, that's that's where I've done a lot of first uh, camera assisting. Uh, I've pulled focus for a lot of commercials and it's the same thing right i'm in charge of the camera package i go to the rental house i set it up i you know prep it often a day before and then we pick it up the day of and and if anything's missing or anything's not working it's my fault like 100% <laughs> you know like and then on the day if anything's out of focus like that's that's why when you i mean this isn't from personal experience but what, from what i've heard is if you get interviewed on a big movie as a focus puller they often ask you how many times are you been fired because if your answer is none you don't have a lot of experience and if your answer is 10 you're probably not a very good focus puller so (laughs) if your answer is like like twice yeah you're hired right like it's it's such a it's such a crazy job right like that's they literally review the footage right after, you know, they like it gets handed off to the the digital image technician, who's another kind of a camera de- related department. You often they're in the camera department. They're the ones backing up all the data and they're reviewing everything and often coloring the footage now on set. Um, and they're, they're looking. And if, and if they see an image that's not in focus, they'll, they'll probably tell you first, but they're probably also going to tell someone else. <laughs> and if that happens too often, you know, sorry. Bye-bye. You're going home, so I mean that's to me that's the most stressful job. I've done it a bunch. Uh, I'm I'm okay at it. I'm certainly not at the level of certain. You know, there's the you can tell who the professionals are because they don't even look at a monitor. You know, they 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 measure out the distances. They have they know where the actors are going to be. They know where the camera is going to be, and they can judge by eye how far away that person is to within an inch, literally.
0: (laughs) I want. I, this came up last time I want this to be a game show <laughs> I yeah, want I mean... like I want this like it, this is one of those things where like your job like you you're, you're trained eye, and and that's really what this is right is optics it's perspective mm-hmm. you're presenting the best optics and perspective of a product to within one inch of accuracy of depth and within you know hundreds of millions of dollars of accuracy and yeah 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 so like it's it, you just get this skill that like i feel you could really parlay on a game show sure I mean, it's not,
2: and what doesn't translate really any other way it. right
0: yeah but, like, it, does, it doesn't tra- – yeah, it totally doesn't transfer the other way. It doesn't make you a great cinematographer, but it makes you, like – like, can you imagine, like, you you guys could cite anything. You could be like, that's a mile, right? Like, the really big, crazy ones?
1: <laughs> Probably, yeah. I don't know about a mile, like, but, like – but they're, they're you know, I think yeah. it's better at smaller distances. That's 25 <laughs> foot 2 inches, you know, like,
0: like. – Still, 25 foot 2 inches to call that and then be right at, like, 25 – 25 and an inch you can walk around and be like fuck you all i just i just did that pretty much
1: yeah i mean it's it's a skill i mean 100 percent, it's a skill and i have a huge respect for the people who do that job like day in day out because it's i mean now granted nowadays there's like newer technology that can help you a lot like there's there's multiple things and it it keeps getting better and better i mean there's literally something um called light ranger uh, that you'll see on most big movie sets. Now that you know, it's a big old box that goes on top of the camera. It used to be two little cones that you would see uh, called a cinetape, and it would send a sonar signal. And that would, that would give you the distance of, of uh, you know, whatever the, whatever's in front of that. But it, it, you know, if the person's off center or if they're, you know, there's someone walking by and stuff, it can get weird readings. This new one, uh, is like a I think I believe it's lasers like lidar type style, and it basically just sends out a pattern of lasers and it can tell you distances you know uh, across the entire screen. So you have a monitor now that has these like squares on it that will tell you which part of it is in focus and and give you you can actually change which square you're kind of focused on and it'll tell you the distance of that object. Like it's it's much more useful. Um, there's also something called a focus bug which you can actually plant on an actor themselves and then uh, calculate the offset distance from that piece of equipment to their eye. And then it will tell you the distance that that is away from your camera at all times. So nowadays, these are, these are very recent developments in the past year, I'd say even. Um, it's been getting easier and easier, but it's still super technical and challenging and stressful.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, these are tools Right, they don't do the job for you. It's not like you could go out like if you had money, you still wouldn't be good at this just because you could afford it. It just means that you could afford
1: shit that's just a bunch of paperweights. And it's also very expensive. And I'm not gonna like those. Each of those systems are probably like I don't know what how much the Light Ranger is, but the Focus Bug things like at least six thousand dollars,
0: like for sure. Wow. So yeah, that's not that's not something you can just
1: unless you you unless you're full time working, no one's gonna buy that. No, for sure. No. Um, and so then you go, you move up from uh, first assistant to a camera operator, which you know, I mean, you can imagine what that person does. Basically, they're they're the camera operator. They show up and they they got to do all the fancy moves and things. Like I think I, I talked about it last time. One of the one of the most challenging, you know, is just, well, you just have to be really good at guessing what humans are going to be doing next. You have to be, you know, you you have to almost be like. Body language and 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 just like pace of, of people and you have to be able to almost be omniscient in terms of like how they're going to move, how quickly they're going to move, which direction they're going to move. And yes, there's blocking, so you get a sense of things and how things might go. But when once you call action, things are inevitably going to change, and you've got to be able to react and respond to that in a beautiful and you know well composed manner. So one of the, you know one of the most challenging things. That so seems simple is like someone standing up from a seated position, you know. Things like little things like that can be can be tricky to do with, you know, on a really tight lens. For example, you know, on a hundred mil lens, if someone's get sitting up and standing down a bunch, you're gonna have a, a rough day as a camera operator. You know, <laughs> just because, yeah.
0: The the predicting move things is is interesting. I would imagine that after a while being a camera operator looking through the lens as much as you're looking through it distorts like how we were talking earlier about how it could possibly distort how you look at things. And then now you're looking at humans do human things. So you're now you're using your tool at the same time. And like, that's like the camera operator. I mean, all the, all the Instagram uh, accounts that I follow that are camera operator and cinematography based just to study, to talk to you. No, of of course. Uh, there's and there's some weird fucking positions, man. Like they get uh-huh. they get perched and like right, I mean you were talking about you know basement Brad, but I mean that's awkward. That's not weird, right? Like that's just that's just an awkward thing to be in because it's an intimate thing. But like hang off like like hang off this thing with a with a uh, some sort of shitty lifeline and like move with objects at the same time. Like you 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 you're, you're almost like Spider-Man I get why I was a photographer now it makes sense
1: yeah no absolutely and like like my body's like super messed up just because you know I'm constantly being not told or asked even but like being put in situations where I need to contort in the oddest ways with weight you know terrible weight distribution you know like that's why massage (laughs) therapy is so critical for me as a career path because like literally I was just on the roof of the MTC building like two days ago um <laughs> at, at 7 a.m it's covered in ice and i'm filming a guy playing guitar as the sun comes up you know like and i'm and i've got my my insane gimbal contraption you know strapped to my body and i'm, I'm literally doing squats like i'm literally like lowering the camera and then raising the camera up all with my like knees and hips oh. and it's at 7 a.m on the ice you know, icy roof of the mtc building so it's like those are the types of situations you can you can find yourself in, and and I mean, physically it's very demanding, and I I constantly wish I was in better shape.
0: I <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean you're you're as you said you're contorting you're like a you're like a gold medal steroid induced Russian gymnast by the sounds of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, at times, yeah, yeah.
3: Like, or like I mean, one of my favorite life stories, filmed.
1: and I think. uh you should you should post it in the in the show notes. It's that good. <laughs> because my a good friend of mine his name is named Serge DeRogier, and he's an old school camera up uh from Montreal. He has this insane moment where he's strapped, literally tethered in to a harness with a rope, and he's got a big old film camera on his shoulder, and he's shooting a scene where a car is supposed to be hitting the person. It's like a POV shot. So the car, this car drives right up to him and like gets just like slams on the brakes right in front of his camera. And then this crane pulls him like 30, 40 feet up in the air <laughs> with nothing, with nothing except this like vest and a rope. And he's hold, he's hand holding the camera. I want, I, I
0: want that. I want that image. I it's, want, it's like, like a, it's worth watching uh, a
1: few times. So that's crazy. So that's the kind of situation that a camera operator can be put in.
0: <laughs> like, You're bonded. I'm hoping, like they, they, that's yeah. At that point, Jesus, like I and like, do you like because you scout right, so you Mm -hmm. have an idea, but then does that like (laughs) does that idea come the day you scout it? You're like, oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna need to, we're gonna need the bungee cord out here,
1: guys. (laughs) No, that 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 kind of of situation would be well before. I mean, even when we scouted the rooftop thing, we're like, okay, can you shovel and like salt the roof because it's all icy, and they did, but it didn't, it didn't. You know, it was still icy as shit. You know, like it didn't <laughs> didn't really solve the problem. I'm sure for the for the him being thrown up, and I'm sure that was like weeks of planning because like it's insane. Like I can't imagine rigging that and like making sure it's safe ish.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I well, I mean work work workplace workplace. Th- workplace health and safety is oh. there for a reason and it seems the movie industry is they, they, they don't give a shit yeah <laughs> 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 um so <sighs> there's some there's some stuff I'm going to leave out cuz I've realized as we've talked again like the the when when you guys are done doing the return and we can all sit down and have a conversation about it which I'm looking very forward to the only reason we haven't done it is cuz you're touring with it so let yep. the, let the people see it as much as they fucking possibly can before you tank it on my show um <laughs> that being said though uh what who inspires you like what cinematographers out there um I mean and obviously I mean everybody knows Mr. Deacons, right that's obviously sure. that's yeah. a that's yeah. a given but like you know who are some of the ones that people don't know about or should know about or that you inspire you from what movies you've seen and we've seen maybe
1: yeah um it's a good question there's i mean there's so many amazing cinematographers i've i've been kind of like trying oh, just for everybody who should know De- mr Deacons is roger Deakins. roger Deacons, yes the i mean the the man himself yeah i mean he yeah. has i mean not to to flaunt another podcast but he has an excellent podcast yeah no i've listened to a couple episodes yeah it's he's
0: very in he's very he's he's like morgan freeman he's a it's nice to listen to him. He's
1: basically like, you know, he's kind of like our Jesus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Holy, the chosen one. Okay. He's been, (laughs) you know,
1: that's what it feels like (laughs) at times. I mean, uh, uh, Chivo, obviously like the guy who shoots, you know, like the revenant and, uh, you know, uh, what is it like gravity? Yeah. Gravity. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's insane. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah i mean i don't know who who's a good cinematographer to like call out <laughs> um man it's like escaping mo- I, i'm I'm bad at remembering names off the top of my head i know
0: we had this problem before we we, we so three yeah, the other three guys were here we'd figure this out already but <laughs> actually maybe we wouldn't i don't know how much we would yeah that's that's a stretch i shouldn't give us that much credit um either way like what are what are some scenes maybe that have like inspired you where you look and you're like that's fuck yeah i mean like Like, yeah another
1: uh let me see let me just really quickly google something
2: brought
0: to you by the newest keyboard yes sorry i'm sure it's really (laughs) loud and annoying (laughs) no it's fine dude I was uh, sitting here making noises. It's called talking. I don't fucking, we don't, we don't care about stuff. Like that. <laughs> um, we used to, we used to give a shit about, whoa, shh, in the background, shh, no, no, God, people cannot hear life happening.
1: <laughs> yeah, so sorry, I, I miss, no, I misspoke. I it's, uh, Emmanuel Lubezki obviously is, is, is the guy who does, you know, everything like Children of Man, Revenant, Birdman, Gravity, um, fucking oh, tr- okay. I'm tree, of, of de- tree of, the tree of life. <laughs>
0: Tree of Life. That's uh, Terrence Malick, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, like all of, he, he's done, it he does everything, right? So it's just like it's it's such a no-brainer uh, choice because his stuff is just insane on another level. But um, yeah, in terms of like, I don't know, people you should follow. Depends what you are interested. Uh, like the so Benjamin Loeb is the guy who shot Mandy. He just did a talk recently for like in like for Winnipeg people. It was really interesting. Um, I thought his stuff was really cool. Uh, he's he's technically from Norway, but but went to school in Canada, okay. uh, which is kind of cool. Um, he's He's got a, a unique style for sure. Um, Pavel pa- Porogowski, I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering that name. He shot um, Hereditary and uh, oh. Midsommar, and he recently shot a movie in Winnipeg called Nobody. Um, oh. Yeah, with... Uh, What's his face from uh, Better Call Saul? Bob um, Odenkirk. Oh, Bob Odenkirk and Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that, he's, he's got a really interesting uh, eye, I think. Like, obviously, Hereditary is a beautiful movie, uh, as is Midsommar, in, in different ways, I think, which is really cool because they have such different looks to them. Midsommar has a very fantasy
0: kind of fairy tale aspect to it being the small village and out in the countryside and whatnot but it it has that fantasy element that is hard to explain and heredity is heredity heredity? hereditary Uh, hereditary um is like a panic attack on screen totally yeah it's as i was so why am i doing this myself yeah no why am i why am i raising my blood pressure this makes zero sense zero sum game here
1: um, and, and then i had the option uh, i had the opportunity to work with um, tom stern who yes um, yes uh is un, unbelievable he uh he shot i mean he was the gaffer on the goonies um <laughs> of all things he shot like most of clint eastwood's movies from i think from uh what is the name of that one uh letters no. from Iwo Jima, he did uh, Old oh, flags of our fathers Yeah, and the one just before that, which is Gran Torino? Gran Torino, there you go. Yeah, he did Gran Torino as well. So, like, I mean, he's basically Eastwood's cinematographer, and he came to Winnipeg to shoot um, Ice Road with Liam Neeson. And uh, I got to work with him very, very closely. I got to shoot uh, several music videos with him. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, people, it's just crazy how small of a world it can be in, in. film, like it's such like a family oriented thing. So I, I don't know, you, you kind of pull from any imagery that you, I love to, there's a, there's a great website uh, called film grab um, film, grab film dash grab.com. Um, and it's, you can, you can search by artists. You can search by uh, movie title, um, you can search you know by all different types of like genres and things and and it basically just pulls up stills from films and, and so you can you can look for you can search by color you know you can search by, really yeah you can search by anamorphic you can search by time of day you can search by all types of different things and so wow if you wow, are wow, interested wow. in visuals it's such a great tool um because it's just like <clears throat> if you find an image that you identify with i think uh and that you should you should attempt to recreate it you know like that's i mean it's, it's like anything else right you know you steal big bar you steal and and that's how you you create your style right you take that by in so doing it's going to be slightly different and you may that it'll, it'll teach you you know maybe how you might approach it when you're doing it for real you know so find find imagery that speaks to you and then steal it <laughs> That's my <advice. laughs> and just credit where credits due right like well like, i was
0: inspired by
1: oh yeah yeah exactly it's all i mean like yeah my my movie the return is inspired by the conjuring absolutely really? you know like we we use that as a as a reference um but imitation is the
0: highest form of flattery is that well what it's saying? like imi-
1: yeah like what is it the the best artists i don't know i can't remember the quote but yeah no i know yeah it's the,
0: one of those yeah the best artist steal from the crates or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly something like that um i uh i'm gonna save some stuff for the return literally yeah yeah, yeah. of both <laughs> DJ and, and you. now nah, that's very fitting uh, <laughs> and i've taken up enough of your time so thank you for that but i do as as, as we did before and i think you, the, the thomas stern story is what started it last time so maybe you can elaborate on it but um This whole thing is about showcasing Winnipeg filmmakers. Um, I I do have efforts to branch this out. I just want I'm I'm starting with who's paying attention to us, which is home. So I want I I want to exhaust Manitoba. I want every Manitoba film professional to be like, yeah, I know that idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I did a show. Um, So, uh, but why why what is it? Because for people, we have a huge following in San Jose surprisingly I, I wouldn't say huge huge is probably a big uh stretch uh but there's like 200 some odd downloads yeah. coming out of, and for a small podcast i i'm like someone's paying attention it's not a bot that's not there's, there's, i'm sure there's bots but that's not that. <laughs> san jose is not a bot I'm, anyways and so people who are listening in places like california who have a fucking huge industry it's been crippled there obviously but um who might not know that this place called winnipeg in manitoba is a fucking film hub in canada what 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 is so great about working in it and being in the manitoba film industry
1: well i mean obviously the the draw here for large films and large productions is is the tax credit i mean you know let's not let's not lie and say that it's it's only the talent and skills and the location i mean it's we have a lot to offer in, in terms of those things, but the tax credit is such a huge uh boon for this, this uh, community. I mean, we, you get 65% of your labor costs back in in tax credit. If you shoot a movie here and as an American, that's like, cause you know, we're talking Canadian dollars. So your money's just going to be, yeah, it's going to go so much farther. Right. Like, so it's, it's, I understand that like, that's, that's what really drives the industry. and, and, and it creates these insane opportunities where, you know, big movies, like Liam Neeson with Ice Road, um, Jonathan Hensley was the director who wrote, you know, he wrote Armageddon and Jumanji and like these, and The Rock, like insane, like all of those, th- those three movies are insane. Like, yeah. <laughs> like maybe not Armageddon, I mean, Armageddon, whatever, but like Jumanji and The Rock, like those are, that's some, Goddamn solid filmmaking right there.
0: Yeah, you know? no Jumanji specifically. Like, has, I mean, The Rock is. I know, love The Rock. I think it's a fucking <laughs> amazing movie. I will firmly. <laughs> the Rock and Con Air are easily two of my favorite Nicolas Cage action movies. Right, I'm sure. A lot of yeah, like that and Face Off. There's your three. Sure. Um, there you go. But what is what does Sean Connery say? He says something losers. Winners go home and fuck the prom
1: queen, right? Like that one. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the guy who wrote that line. Like he was here. Winnipeg. like (laughs) like that's that's the kind of people that come here because we have you know this industry that we've we've fostered. I mean, it also you know when I was getting into the industry, it was just kind of there was a bit of a lull. Like there was, I think we did. Shall we dance? yeah um, there was
0: that it, it was starting yeah was, there was like a was, brad
1: pitt movie yeah. uh so, yeah, something the, in the uh, falls
0: uh, uh fucking the jesse james shot by well Wright that
1: that from... was yeah that's a big one that i was talking about there's a shitty brad pitt movie before that but really tales from the fall or like something from the falls i don't know anyway yeah it's not i don't think it, it a river runs through it
0: no no anyway Land yeah of the, was it with it was... anthony hopkins
1: I don't know, I don't remember. Was I it
0: wasn't in the, black. I wasn't,
3: <laughs> wasn't in the business at the time. What,
0: was it Was it Toontown? It was animated? It.
3: Now I have to Google it. Now you'.
0: filmed in Louise, wasn't it? It was the cliff scene. They shot it in Manitoba. <laughs> they shot it out in the pits out Carfin Road.:
3: Legend of the Falls.: See, Legend never... of the
0: Fall was filmed here.:
3: Yeah, yeah, I 90 percent sure.
0: Get the fuck out.: Pretty sure. Or at least part of it was that's anthony hopkins though is it not uh, i swear it's anthony hopkins
1: you were correct sir it was anthony thank hopkins. you
0: yeah that's a point that's a
1: fucking point so i mean yeah i mean like you know we we had we had a few we had that k-19 the Widowmaker, with Harrison oh, yeah, Ford. Right. Yeah. so like there's movies that were coming here and stuff but and, and it's just been getting more frequent more frequent bigger and bigger and 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 we've, you know, we used to only have really like one or two crews. Now we, we for sure, I'd say can easily crew like three full movies at least. And if you consider our like non-union or like kind of side stuff, I'd say like five, five or six projects, maybe, maybe as many as eight projects are going uh, at once sometimes, you know, like, so. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's busy.
0: you, You. Don't discount yourself, dude. Yeah, I mean, like the tax credit, yes. You can't pretend it doesn't exist, but I mean, eventually, talented crew and talented individuals have to be there. Otherwise, it's like, man, we got a break on this budget, but fuck, we're never going back there. We learned no, our No, I mean, clearly so, people
1: that come here, I mean, I know for, for a fact that like the creator of Chucky, um, who directs the Chucky, the Chucky films, whose name escapes me at the top of my head, terrible names. Jim,
0: if Jimmy was here we would we would have it already. I <laughs> I know I know the name he said it to me like seven times I should know <laughs>
3: Um
1: uh Mancini. That's oh, on
0: the tip of my tongue. Yes, that's that's on the whole tip of my tongue.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, he's he's done a Don Mancini. He's done a bunch of films here and and I know he loves it here. Like he keeps coming back. Because not only is it a good value, but he has, like he likes the crews here he has fun making movies here. and it seems to be kind of a running you know story from what I'm hearing. I'm often not on those big movies so I don't it's not a you know a direct quote for myself, but yeah I mean the fact that people keep coming and that you know it seems like things are getting bigger and bigger um, you know and more more prominent people are coming and they don't seem to hate it other than Rob Lowe. <laughs> what um, did he
0: say? It was fucking just cold as
1: like, What did he call out? it? Uh Hellhole?
2: Yeah. Something. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: then and then my buddy who works in the art department came to a set with like a lovely script-based t-shirt that you couldn't really tell, but it says hellhole. <laughs> he was when he was still he was still around.
3: <laughs> you gotta you gotta I... talk to him. He's
0: he's a character. That that would be that would be the trip. I would love to hear that story.
1: Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, so um, for the most part, we get it, we get pretty good reviews and like everything that I've, you know, all the people that I've had the pleasure of working with have been, have been great. Like we, I have a lot of fun working, whether it's the big movies or the, or the, you know, the, the non-union stuff, whether it's docs or, or feature films, like, it's just a fun community. It's a family. I mean, I literally know, I think I know every single person in the film industry in Winnipeg, or if not, you know, I've at least crossed paths with them if I don't know them on a first name basis. So it's just like, it's such a small community. Um, and it, it's great. I mean, we foster each other's growth and we we help each other out. I mean, I'll come, I'll go out and help shoot friends of mine's projects. You know, I just shot one, a short film the other day that was, was made by Jeremy Millmine, who's a, an electric in the union, who's been doing it for years and years. He's way more experienced than I am, but he was directing a short and he got me to shoot it. And you know, it was a blast. He brought all his buds out from the union stuff, and like you know, I get to interact with them and hang out and make a movie. And we dug a, we did a, an, again another elaborate oneer. We dug a six foot grave, from nothing to six feet deep in a in a one take shot. That's okay. So <laughs> uh, a
0: day job crossover here. I've I I have Jeremy's email. We talk course, a lot, of course. Uh, he's a lovely human being. i'm I've approached him about being in your seat. and um, I've been following that like his GoFundMe stuff, yeah, and trying yeah. To, and trying to get it going and off the ground. and I think I saw some of the tombstones yeah. that uh, that were, um, oh, hang on here. Somehow, my room, somehow, my fucking laptop isn't plugged in. This, I, don't want, I don't want to lose all this shit. Hang on once second. We're not doing this again, Brad.
3: God
1: We're damn We're not it.
0: fucking God doing it. this again. It's going to be know. my
1: audio. It's
3: not
0: going to be yours. <laughs> let, let them know who the sponsor is, will you? Yeah, okay.
3: Once again, this episode has been brought to you by Staypuff Marshmallows. For when you really want to ravage your downtown, with puffy goodness. Keep it, stay puffed. And in other news uh things are going things are going pretty good here in Winnipeg. The weather's uh weather's lovely and uh, the sun's shining. Success the laptop's plugged yeah. in. Thanks for tuning in. What'd you tell him? Oh, you'll see.
0: Okay. <laughs> I like this version better than last version. It's not.
3: <laughs> it's not great. It's not. It's not
1: uh, profound or earth shattered in no. any way.
0: No, but it's you. That's all I care about.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: Anyway, so yeah, so community in, in Winnipeg and, and being able to like be not being too big so that nobody knows each other and everybody's in competition being, yeah, not like too when, small, when I get the call viable. from
1: someone like Jeremy and and you know he sends me the the idea and then I see you know all the people involved it's just all people that I want to hang out with for the the evening you know it was it was a cold windy you know kind of early winter evening uh, and we're you know getting our asses kicked i think it was like the 90 kilometer wind day remember that day oh yeah yeah Yeah. Kansas. but uh (laughs) you know i got to hang out and we got to you know do some elaborate stuff i'll let i'll let him tell you the stories uh when he's on but stay tuned for that ladies and gentlemen
0: yeah no i'm and and that's what i was meaning about earlier like i know him as an electric but he's making his own film right Mm -hmm. like that's that's the that's the i think that's a cool thing right where you can like jump from you know do this but then you know you're on set and you're watching you're watching it all happen right so then i can't help imagine that you'd be somewhat interested at least knowing how a lot of the moving parts work right you can't just be like well, this is all i want to do on a movie set it's like well you're shortchanging yourself i guess in my opinion i but think a lot of people
1: it. i think you mentioned it earlier is that like people get into this industry because they want to make movies. They want to be filmmakers and regardless yeah. of where that takes them as a career. And, and, you know, as we get older, I think we are concerned more about our career versus when you're starting out, you're just like eager to make something or be involved, you know, now it's like, okay, I do need to make a living doing this because that's what I've decided to do for the, you know, better or worse. But um, yeah, at, 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 the heart of it, we were filmmakers. So
0: and that's your second poll quote done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, thank you for doing this again. I really appreciate it. I appreciate recycling the same thing. I wanted to save some stuff. Some other stuff's come up. So, yeah, yeah. like like I've been reiterating this whole episode. I'm really excited to put the two of you in the same room and uh, have a really good chat about Strata and how you guys kind of came to be. yeah we've got lots
1: of stories i haven't even i haven't touched upon anything that me and have really done together because we traveled all of canada together you know making stuff so you
0: yeah i'm 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 saving that gold for for a tbd 2021 copy that (laughs) (laughs) in person Uh, i hope
1: uh, what was that in person i hope
0: oh and yeah no i i hope so too i mean i'm i'm learning stuff right like this is I'm sure you're learning stuff how to do this, how to do your thing in a different way and I I've, I've figured out a couple tricks along the way here hopefully make us sound better, look better, talk better whatever but uh I mean it, you can't say like you you can't uh how do I want to say this? Um if a species isn't challenged then it gets you know it gets lazy. So yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So I'm not saying COVID's a great thing, but it's challenged people in a lot of different ways and you don't grow unless you're challenged mm-hmm. yep, Shitty way 100%. To have to and,
1: and you should, you it. should strive to challenge yourself all the time. I mean, that's, that's it. As, especially in this kind of career path. I mean, you just, you're going to fall behind so quickly if you don't constantly look to improve and, and adapt.
0: Which the first question I'm going to ask you next time is we're going to talk about digital versus film. We're going to talk about, um, my question I asked, <laughs> why, do american films look american and canadian films look
1: now ah, yes the one that we didn't go over this
0: time
2: <laughs> God damn it.
0: which having since talked to you i'll save that we'll save that for next time but having since talked to you i'd seen a canadian movie oh, i'd seen a movie and i was like man that's a good movie and i was like man, i was made in canada and then you you <laughs> popped in my head because you were like it's about budget if you've got a lot of money you can do a lot of things it really is just about having time and endless amounts of money to get it really, really, really good. Like there's, there's a relationship there. Between the budget and
1: yeah. Yeah. The well, for sure. And, and also, yeah, cause, cause money equals time as well. Right. Like, yeah. And if you have the time to make a movie, like, you know, if you look at Sean Garrity's film that we shot, you know, it, we shot that over 20 days, but over like three months, you know, like because he's on the shoestring of shoestring budgets. And so we're just piecemealing a movie together. As which
0: looks amazing um which is out now right mm. yeah and that's you that's that's you filming yeah. a lovely romantic comedy it was, in it was
1: fun i had a blast on that film it's very different than anything else i've worked on but it was
0: so much fun to make that was that's a movie that i wanted i i heard sean's name i was like let's do this let's talk to people um and went and saw it hadn't seen and i went and saw that first then i watched him backwards instead of watching him yeah, yeah. from oldest to newest so i was like wow this is really good and then i was like i i walked in everything else and was like wow this is really fun and awkward and weird and kooky and uh but yeah i propose we never see each other again after tonight now streaming on video on demand there you go on, check it out on amazon mm-hmm. prime too right amazon i think it's prime. yeah it's on a
1: bunch of stuff yeah I'm not sure all the platforms but yeah. it's
0: out there you'll you can find it can you give me that shot that people can see your your the pattern your lung, shot the pattern yeah
1: yeah I'll I'll find a way find a way we'll mm-hmm.
0: find a way might not be tomorrow but we'll, we'll life will find a way Dr Ian Malcolm that's perfect <laughs>
1: life will uh, find a way
0: <laughs> find a way <laughs> dude uh, like I said thank you again for coming on the show yeah man pleasure next time we will move forward like 1917 we won't go forwards mm. and backwards and forwards again
1: <laughs> yeah that no, sounds great and anytime uh, yeah. anytime at all
0: oh well one, now now that we've done this we can we can plan for a really ridiculous stupid rendition of one of our debates and get you and bj on i would love to i'd market. love
1: to just yeah. go go ham on something
0: oh well well we're we're actually writing right now we're finishing the year on in honor of manitoba make your own hallmark
1: Oh for yeah, one of my one of my favorite podcasts uh, often does. uh, They read they read three different uh, like titles and taglines, and you have to guess which one's the the not the Hallmark movie. (laughs) They make they make one up, and then two of them are real. Oh man,
0: that's awesome! That's really send me that. Um, As for the show, as for my responsibilities, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another Real Debaters production. Uh, If you want to follow the show and you're a first timer, therealdebaters.ca. That's where you can find all things us, cast bios, how to listen to the show, merch stand, and uh, a pending blog that we're still working on. So many ideas, just not enough hours in the fucking day. Uh, If you want to follow us on social media, it is at Real Debaters. All the spelling of how we Spell our how we etch our name in history is R E E L debaters because that's cheeky, as I've said in the past. Um, that's it, that's the show. I've been Michael Petro, my guest has been
3: Brad Crawford,
0: and we are uh,
3: out of here. <laughs> Let's...